Welcome once again to 20 Minute Topic. I'm Marcus Stead and I'm joined as usual by veteran campaigner and blogger Greg Lance Watkins. There was a time when a university degree was a golden ticket in life. Getting your cap and gown would very likely lead to a well-paid, stable job, a company pension, being able to afford a decent house in a nice area and being able to retire early. Nowadays, getting a degree means lots of debt, no guarantee of a job, probably no company pension and little prospect of early retirement. Universities themselves increasingly seem like left-wing brainwashing factories that, far from encouraging rigorous debate, seek to protect students from anything that might hurt their feelings or go against woke ideology. Meanwhile, there is very obviously a shortage of plumbers, electricians and skilled handymen and women in modern Britain. Would many young people not be better off learning a trade? This is going to be a fascinating discussion. I might even break my own rules and let it go on for a little bit longer than 20 minutes. Do stay with us. Well, Greg, I think a good starting point in this discussion is to say that the deal is breaking down. And I'll explain what I mean by that. We were told when I was at school and generations before me and people younger than me as well were told that if you work hard at school, you're going to get a good job and all that comes with it and everything like that. That hasn't really been the case in terms of finding long-term, stable, well-paid employment. But the deal in terms of university is even worse because in the 1960s, 1970s and the 1980s, and for most of the 1990s, you could reasonably expect to go to university and pay no tuition fees. And upon graduation, you could expect to find a decent, stable job on a good salary be able to afford a nice house in a good area with an affordable mortgage. You could expect to retire a good bit earlier than the state retirement age. You could expect a company pension. But now what is the reality? And tuition fees are £9,000 per year. So for a three-year course, that's £27,000. For a five-year course, that's £45,000. That does not include your rent and your other living expenses there's a very good chance you won't find a steady, well-paid job in the subject area in which you are qualified. And when you meet a partner you want to settle down with, it's highly likely they'll be a fellow graduate. So therefore, the household debt has doubled even before you've put a penny down on a deposit. And even if you both manage to find a decent graduate-level job, your combined income will not be enough to be able to afford a decent family-sized home in many parts of the country. And the stable company pension that previous generations enjoyed is no more. You probably won't get to retire if you're, until you're pushing on 70, if you're a young person starting off now. And to make matters worse, whether you're a graduate or not, the assurance you once had of being able to save money in a building society safely that gave you a modest but steady return in terms of interest is long gone. Savings can be wiped out by inflation all too easily. You can put your money in risky stocks and share schemes, but they're exactly that risky. And the point being, Greg, is that university is no longer a golden ticket to really getting on in life. That's my starting point with this discussion. I cannot disagree with you, but I will um, take issue with one thing. What made you think it was ever thus? Um, when I was at school, very few people got into university. I was lucky. I was at a, the type of school that had a very high intake on university, um, but that was private education. 
Um, I personally didn't go to university. I went to Sandhurst instead. That was very much a matter of choice um, on my part in that uh, I wasn't very into education for education's sake. Um, I wasn't highly technical. Uh, so realistically, in my day, being in my late 70s now, in my day, there weren't a collection of Mickey Mouse degrees to take that would get you a Mickey Mouse type but reliable job. Now, of course, those Mickey Mouse degrees don't get you a job at all. Right. This is a very important point because in the 1960s, 4% of young people went to university. It was 14% by the end of the 1970s. The number of universities doubled overnight under John Major in the early 1990s with the upgrading of polytechnics. And when Anthony Blair became prime minister, I don't call him Tony because that would give me a, a level of familiarity with a man I have absolutely no time for. Blair had the target of 50% of young people going to university. And that was a target that was met a few years ago. But the trade-off for that is that student grants therefore became unaffordable and students were put into debt. When I was at university between 2002 and 2005, um, the student debts were about £3,000 per year. They're now £9,000 a year, as I just said. But this target, which Blair had, it's of getting 50% of young people into university. To me, Greg, this is one of the biggest contracts going. And this is a big contrast with your era. To me, this is all about making youth unemployment figures seem artificially low. It's very, very convenient for governments to have this figure. Well, Anthony Charles Linton Blair had appalling employment record. And I'd rather use the same name as he's, I understand, known by in the courts, Charles Linton. Um, he had huge youth unemployment. It was never going to go away. So he merely found a way to stick them all into downgraded universities, which to a great extent were paid for, not by the government, not out of taxation, but by debt of the students, and also hiring out to the highest paying foreign students, all of whom seem to have ended up living here without degrees. Um, I think just about everything about um, Blair's regime was an unmitigated disaster for the country, one we're paying for to this day. And there is no value in a major studies degree. There is no value in many of the uh, computer degrees. You can take degrees in designing computer games now. You'll never get a job doing it, but um, you can say you've got a degree. Well, there's a lot. You covered a lot of ground there, and there's a lot of truth in what you say, because I can tell you, if you want a job, particularly in the media, in journalism, on that side of the media, a media studies degree goes nowhere. The best advice I can give for anybody actually wanting to get on in journalism is do an NCTJ, preferably fast track entry course as a route into journalism and get lots of work experience. It's certainly worth far more than the media studies degree. But we're talking about the issue of debt here and just how much, if you go through a three-year course or a five-year course, end up wanting to marry somebody else who's a graduate, 
the sheer amount of debt you will be in before you've even got going in life really is extraordinary. And that's, you know, even before you've thought about buying a nice house in a decent area and having children, but debt is a very powerful way of controlling people. You are not going to upset your boss if you're in X amount of debt and you know that's going to have to be paid back and there's going to be people knocking on your door and potential repossession. I think governments also like people in debt because they're much easier to control. Um, so we've, we've agreed that Blair was interested in making youth unemployment seem far lower than it actually was. But debt is also a very powerful thing. Now, I think you've overlooked one thing. Hmm. Um, Blair's influence and another of the outcomes of his uh, catastrophic 13 unlucky years of uh, government was we now have a majority of children in this country born out of wedlock. Right. No longer does it make sense to get married because mm. immediately any debts you accrued getting this degree will be collective debts between the two of you. And if you're, you decide to take a low-paid job rather than look for a high-paid job, particularly as a woman, and have children, your debts get overlooked for the non-degree that you got. If you're lucky... Uh, you are living with, who has probably fathered the child, somebody who went to a technical college of some sort and got an ONC or an HNC because it's so much more valid than the majority of degrees. Well, Greg, it, it goes beyond that. You're talking about uh, people not getting married before they have children, but it is now over 50% of 15-year-olds in this country do not have a father living at home with them. And well, we know any sensible study that looks into the advantages of having a mother and a father living at home with children in terms of stability and educational attainment and staying on the right tracks and everything like that in life, the advantages of having a father at home are enormous. And, you know, we, we see people going off the rails, knife crime epidemics, you name it. But now more than 50% of 15 year olds do not have a father living at home with them. This is quite scary stuff, I think, in many ways. And people try and twist what you say. You make that point and, you know, you get people saying, ah, but I'm, I'm a single mother, I'm doing my best. I'm sure you are. And yes, there are lots of very good single mothers out there, but the advantages of having a father living at home with you are enormous. Um, and to think that over 50% of 15 year olds no longer have a father living at home with them. You can see the breakdown in society. It really is quite something now. But moving the discussion, oh, yes, on. and yeah. it all it all goes back to that same government and their endeavours to fudge the books so that people thought that they had high employment. They didn't, and mm. it's exactly the same as the policies uh, being put forward by that same party to solve the problems that we still have, namely cost of living. Well, we're going to do another podcast on cost of living. I've got a lot to say on that, because as far as I'm concerned, this entire energy crisis was a self-inflicted wound of governments of all parties that have been in power over the last 20 years making foolish decisions. But that's for another podcast. What I'm saying for now, uh, in terms of this, where we are now in terms of university, is I want to move the discussion on to the university experience. Now, we are reading a lot and seeing a lot about safe zones at universities and the curtailment of free speech. 
I saw the beginnings of this during my time at the University of Liverpool between 2002 and 2005. And I'm aware of instances happening of it about five years beforehand, maybe uh, from people slightly older than me. But what we're seeing now, I mean, when I was at university, it was every speaker that came to the students union, they had to agree to this condition, that condition, the other condition. But we're now seeing this something which is supposed to be about expanding your horizons and exposing you to new ideas and new perspectives. It's doing the exact opposite. There was one instance, a, a right of centre political commentator who was giving a talk at a university and he left the room at the end of the talk. I think it was a debate. There was him against one other person. He was leaving the room and there were outside, there were students hugging each other in tears. And he said, well, what's the matter with you? And um, it turned out all they had done is they had heard an opinion they didn't agree with. And it's far from exposing them to new ideas and new perspectives. Universities now seem like the enemy of free speech. And I think this is extremely dangerous. It's also based on the ignorance of many of the campaigners, uh, whether that's Black Lives Matter and the incredible displays they make of racism. Or I recently read uh, an article about protests in Oxford. Uh, they were throwing stones at and seeking to destroy the statue of Cecil John Rhodes uh, because of slavery in Africa. Well, interestingly, nobody had pointed out to them that Cecil Rhodes was born after, note, born after, slavery was made illegal in Britain and in South Africa. Cecil Rhodes never owned a slave, never sold a slave, and never bought one. But they want to destroy the facade on a university because it has him on it. Well, Greg, I can go further than that. I mean, when I was at the University of Liverpool, one of the main halls of residence, I didn't stay there myself, one of the main halls of residence was called Gladstone Hall. That has now been renamed, that building has now been renamed because of William Gladstone's alleged links to slavery. I mean, you could go on and on and on with this sort of thing. In Liverpool itself, going beyond that, there's a woke movement going on now to try and rename the famous Penny Lane, as in the Beatles song, which was about a five-minute walk from where I lived in my third year. And I used to walk down Penny Lane pretty much every day. Uh, Still is a big tourist attraction. That people get their photo taken by the sign all the time. Um, there's now talk of renaming that. I mean, this goes on and on and on. But in universities itself, we're seeing now even basic things like you arrive your first few days, you go to the Freshers' Fair and you're given a badge and they say, oh, write your name on this badge and and put it on. Oh, and put your pronouns underneath. And you have to do that. Yeah, and you're told to do that. And you're told um, when you set up your university email account, you put your, your automatic signature, your name and your pronouns underneath. This sort of thing is going on all the time now in Marcus, universities. I have no idea what my pronouns are. It doesn't mean anything to me. Them, they, it, I don't care. It's irrelevant. And if I happened to be heterosexual or homosexual, it's nobody's goddamn business. Well, there's a very base to do with them. Yeah, there's and a. I don't even know what cis means it happens to be afrikaans for excrement (laughs) um so i'm not quite sure what pronoun what that defines 
Well, uh, the thing the thing is, right, I, I don't understand. Look, if you're a man, you he, him. If you're a woman, you she, her. It's got nothing to do with sexuality. What's no, binary? But hang on. No homosexual I know has ever said to me that they want to be known as she, her, or them, they. Them, they implies plural, surely to goodness. Um, and also, same thing, if, if you are genuinely transgender and you've had the op and you're now living a, to the different sex that you were before, yes, I will respect that. Of course I will. But why on earth any individual has the right to be referred to as them, they, or the one I saw the other day, somebody wanted to be referred to as ZM or ZS, ZimZS, but only on certain days because they were experimenting with it. This is bullshit, but it's going on in universities all the time. And I am concerned, Greg, if I was to say to a young person, OK, you've done well in your A-levels, and congratulations, by the way, to those who have done well in their A-levels. Um, you know, you can only sit the exam that's put in front of you. You haven't had it easy this last few years with a lot of disrupted learning. So a big well done to those who've done well. To those who haven't, just be aware there are other avenues in life to get on. But I would be reluctant to say to anyone who has done well in their A-levels, yes, university is the right route for you to take. Because it seems to me, Greg, rather than exposing them to new ideas and expanding their horizons, they are being narrowed into a very narrow, something that gets narrower every year, a sphere of what is acceptable opinion. Now, I'll say this much. I was at university between 2002 and 2005. I knew I was in a minority as a socially conservative Eurosceptic. I can only really think of one incident in the entire three years I was at uni where things got a little bit unpleasant. For the most part, we would debate in cafes and in pubs and on student radio, my opinion, your opinion, and we get on well. They're very good friends. In some cases, they still are friends of mine. And that was just accepted. You know, you have differences of opinion. Nowadays, it seems to me that a lot of people of that generation, whether they find like-minded communities on social media or what and exclude all the rest, but they don't seem to be able to handle opinions they don't agree with because they're told that, look, you can believe somebody is wrong as much as you like. That's your prerogative. But once you start to believe somebody is bad for holding those views, it's very hard to reason with them or find any kind of common ground. And I think that is a very dangerous trend among today's university generation. I agree with you entirely. Um, I would not recommend anyone to go to university unless they had a specific guaranteed job at the end of it. And that being undertaken by contract by a company. Furthermore, I would suggest that all these idiot degrees are wiped off the board in terms of calling them degrees. You know, Ilya Kazan made some incredible movies. He didn't have a degree in media studies. It's a farce. I am developing an ever greater contempt for education. I've never had much respect for it, formal education, because unfortunately it's got completely lost. Teachers are now politicised. Instead of te teaching people how to think and teaching them how to research and how to learn and how to retain information, they're now being told what to think and nothing more. Pointless exercise. Well, you're correct. But looking at it now, you've, you have to say that there's a network of vested interests that exists around universities, such as the swollen number of academics compared to what we had, what, 35 years ago before um, John Major expanded the university sectors. I look around Cardiff. Now you've got these huge tower blocks going up for 
student housing, which I do wonder whether some of it will ever be occupied. But then again, you know, they're not owned by private landlords, they're owned by big companies. And there again, there's another network of vested interests there. It's in the interest of the government because it masks the extent of youth unemployment. Plus it has the other advantage for government that it gets people into debt. Um, people in debt, as I've already said, are easier to control. But I was it's also to... a very good way of fiddling planning. Oh, absolutely it is. Absolutely it is. But it goes, it goes beyond that. I was listening to the comments um, Charlie Mullins, the guy behind Pimlico Plumbers, uh, said on the telly the other day that unless you're doing a medical degree or certain elements of finance in your degree, you can pretty much get to where you want to be in life without going to university. And that is something I've thought for quite some time, Greg. There are so oh, yeah, many totally. yeah, yeah, there are so many online courses and night schools and apprenticeships and we'll move on to apprenticeships in a moment that you don't need to go to university unless you're doing something medical or something certain very specific areas of finance i think that's worth bearing in mind but in the time i got left now greg we talked i just mentioned the word there apprenticeships we all know if we're honest it is very very hard to find plumbers electricians handymen carpenters you name it who will be available in a reasonable time scale, turn up when they say they will, do the job within the time scale they say they will, charge and speak English. Yeah, that's an added bonus if they can speak English and charge a fair amount. We are paying well over what would once have been the odds to repair our kitchen taps or our boilers or if the electrics have gone a bit faulty. There is a real shortage up and down the country of skilled workmen and workwomen who can do these sort of jobs. Should we not be saying, Greg, to a young people, particularly those who are not the most academic and are not of the academic elite who would have gone to university 50 years ago, for crying out loud, get yourself an apprenticeship. You will not be short of work. Oh, I think definitely. Um, this was very noticeable when I was in America. I did toy briefly with staying in America. I was offered an exceptionally good job uh, purely and simply because I had travelled a great deal and had a certain amount of insight into many countries and situations around the world uh, by one of the major American banks. Um, I was going to work two days a week. I was going to get a salary to die for, a company car, travel expenses, go to wherever I wanted to virtually, and a five-bedroom flat in New York. The alternative was to work for myself, fixing things in people's homes for which you could charge the earth because nobody did the job. Mm. Move a plug socket, you'd get paid $500. Mm. And it would take you an hour and a half. Well, yes. And also, Greg, th this is where we are now in this country because I was listening to a radio phone in the other day and there was a fella from Portsmouth and he said, that with, he was a qualified plumber, he said that he was on the way up to Manchester because they guaranteed him X amount of work for weeks on end, just doing very basic plumbing jobs for this particular company because they did not have plumbers in Manchester who were free and available to do the job. So th this is, I would say, get snobbery, let, let's knock snobbery to one side. Don't be afraid if you are a young person listening to this now, or if you are a parent with an 18, 19, 20 year old, who perhaps hasn't done so well in their A-levels or was never that way inclined to begin with, for crying out loud, don't be afraid to become a plumber, electrician, carpenter, 
whatever, because you will find work. And on a similar note, this is my last point, because we are up against it with time. We're slightly over time. And I think it's worth extending it a little bit because there's a lot of ground to cover. But parents who say to their children, oh, congratulations, you're the first in the family to go to university for crying out loud, lose that snobby edge. It's a very different playing field to what it was 30, 40, 50 years ago. And there are many ways to get on better in life, even these days, than going to university. That's my final point. Your final point, Greg. I can all but guarantee somebody will make more money and lead a happier life by not going to university than going to university and getting some ridiculous degree that they will never get a decent job in. Good luck. If you want to go to university, make sure you're taking a serious subject with a serious potential outcome. And well done. You got there. My thanks as always to Greg. My thanks to you for listening. Join us again next time. <laughs> <laughs>